fifth chapter, beginning with verse 1 through verse 9. John chapter 5, I'll read verse 1 if you'll respond with verse 2 and so on through verse 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. May the Lord add his blessing to the scripture reading this morning. And said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. God's touch can be received if by faith you appropriate the message. Amen. Thank you for ministering to us, Greg, in that wonderful way. In our series from A to Z, we are in the D's and divine healing is the subject this morning. God is a healing God. How many of you found it true? Raise your hand. God is a healing God. This account in John chapter 5 is only one of many that could have been chosen for this morning as a text where Jesus Christ in mercy and compassion reached out to a needy individual and made him new. The ministry of healing is a great part of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. It's a great part of the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A large portion of Christ's earthly ministry was directly linked to ministering physical healing to the sick and the afflicted. Don't forget that. Large part of his ministry was to the sick and the afflicted. The history of the church is lined with stories of great healings and miracles. All you have to do is a little research to discover that the healing ministry of Jesus Christ was never lost, never dropped. It has been a part of the history of the church from the very beginning. But this we do need to note, that whenever the church goes into apostasy or coldness, the ministry of healing is shoved into the back room somewhere. And out of that comes 
philosophies like the ministry of healing ended with the disciples, etc., etc., etc. It's always when there is coldness, backsliding, apostasy, that those kinds of things emerge. I have in my possession, and I, I prize this old piece of paper, it is a story that I came across many years ago and have kept it in my file for years called The Lonely Cabin on the 40 Mile. It's a story that Dr. Price told at Lake Geneva Camp many, many years ago when he was being used by God in such a marvelous way in the supernatural throughout particularly the northern part of this country and up into Canada. The little booklet tells about a man by the name of Joe Conley, born in Iowa, a very intelligent young boy, good credit to his home, to his community, grew up to be a minister of the gospel after thinking he wanted to be an engineer. At seminary, a professor recognizing the brilliance of Joe Conley said, Joe, you need to be acquainted with some of the great philosophers. And he introduced him to Darwin, Renan, and Huxley, among others. Soon there was a battle between faith and reason going on in Joe Conley's mind and spirit. And reason was winning the battle. He took a pastorate when he was through with his studies, with the battle still going on. Eventually, he came to Santa Ana, California, to pastor a Methodist church. He was now looking at the scriptures from a very modernistic angle and viewpoint. He was transferred to another city in Southern California and pastored actually three which became very outstanding Methodist churches in the southern part of our state. When one day in Pomona, California, he walked to the pulpit after building a very wonderful church building and congregation to announce that he was no longer going to be a minister, that as of that day he was quitting the pulpit and he could no longer preach with faith this message and walked out of the pulpit that day an atheist. It was an unbelievable thing for the family because they had been rooted and grounded in the things of God from the very beginning. He had married, he had a little daughter that he loved very deeply. And Joe Conley from that day drifted into sin, went into the publishing business and became a newspaper publisher in California, started even a newspaper of his own. 
but eventually lost everything he had because of drinking and carousing, left his wife and family at home alone. He would give lectures every day in the back of the old saloon on atheism while he drank himself into delirium tremens. A doctor took interest in him. A doctor who had been a member of his congregation He passed him on the street corner one day and underneath the beard that had grown and the filth and the holes in his clothes, he saw that it was his old pastor. And he got some of the other brothers interested in Joe Conley, former pastor. During the days of the gold rush in the Yukon Territory, They felt it would be well for Joe to get away from his surroundings and send him up to the Yukon where he might have a different set of circumstances. Maybe it could get him back on his feet. So his wife and little girl packed his trunk and the little girl went to him and said, Daddy, there is a medicine chest in the trunk and I have placed in the bottom A Bible, the Bible that you gave to me. And I want you to know that it's there. And I love you, Daddy, with all my heart. Joe Conley went off to the Yukon Territory, immediately found drinking buddies and was just as deep in sin there as he had been in California. But one day there was a strike 40 miles away from the town where he had landed. And the man who was in charge said, Joe, would you go up? There's a cabin up there, though it's 40 miles from anywhere. I need somebody there to strike this particular claim and to be there in case anybody else should want to interfere. So Joe Conley went with his trunk to the lonely cabin on the 40 mile where there was a great deal of activity and one day there was a knock at the door of that old cabin and in walked Jimmy Miller. Jimmy Miller and Wally Flett eventually joined Joe Conley. Wally Flett was a spiritualist medium, if you will dabbling in the occult. And while they were there, they drank day in and day out and entered into all kinds of sinful orgies. Desperate, despondent, drinking, filthy men. But Jimmy Miller took sick, desperately sick in that lonely cabin and was about to die. And one day, Joe Conley, going through his trunk, happened across that book that his little daughter had put in the bottom and took it over to the stove and was about to throw it into the stove when Jimmy Miller said from his deathbed, What have you got, Joe? Oh, he said, It's a Bible. Well, he said, don't throw it away. You know we've read everything we have here several times over. Give it to me. 
And Jimmy Miller had a unique habit. Whenever he read, he read out loud. And in the lonely cabin on the 40 mile, Jimmy Miller began to read the Bible out loud. And Wally and Joe had to listen. And he read and he read and he read and then got into the Gospels. The life of Jesus Christ and the healing ministry of Jesus Christ. And something began to happen in the lonely cabin on the 40 mile. They weren't drinking as much. They weren't cussing as much. They weren't as out of their heads as they were. Until one day, Jimmy Miller said, this is affecting me. And I believe it's true. And Joe Conley then began to tell them that he had been a minister of the gospel. That he had prepared at seminary to be a minister of the gospel. And Jimmy and Wally said, Joe, do you believe God would hear us if we prayed? The three of them knelt on their knees in the lonely cabin on the 40 mile. And the man in the seamless robe walked into that cabin 40 degrees below zero outside, but warm on the inside by the presence of the man in sandal feet who loves to make people whole. Not only was Jimmy Miller healed, but Jimmy, Wally, and Joe were brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ, which eventually led Joe Conley to be the dean at the Open Bible School up in Oregon. Wally became a minister, and Jimmy Miller became an evangelist with the Holiness Church. All three of them became outstanding workers in the kingdom of God. Every time I pick up this little tract and hold it in my hand, I think of the power there is in the gospel of Jesus Christ to make people whole of whatever malady they may possess, be it physical, be it spiritual, be it mental, be it emotional. Jesus Christ has the power to make us well. That is the history of the church. Mankind is searching for power. As his search goes farther and farther away from the gospel, the colder his heart becomes. We have now the ability to believe in the power of electricity, jet power, atomic power. We drive automobiles with tremendous horsepower, great dams we visit that generate power, but we forget the power of God and doubt the power of God. It's time we got back to where real power is, my friends. The power of Jesus Christ to make us new and to make us whole. 
Let us first of all consider that man was created perfect. If you will take your Bible and open it to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, you will read in Genesis 1.26 that we were made in the image and likeness of God. Man enjoyed flawless fellowship with God. That pair in the garden were innocent, totally free from all sense of moral wrong. They knew no fear. Fresh from the hand of God, they were perfect beings, spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally. In the image of God created he them. They were perfect, lacking nothing in the original form. Psychologically and emotionally, they were perfect. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, God told man to name all the animals. He was told to have dominion over all of creation. There was not a thing wrong psychologically or emotionally with man. There is not a record of any emotional upheaval at all until you come to the third chapter of Genesis. And then in verse 7, you immediately see a problem unfolding. The eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Who told you that you were naked? See, up to that point, they were perfect in every way, spiritually, physically, psychologically, emotionally. But suddenly... They saw something they had never seen before. And in that moment, after being physically perfect and every way perfect, death began. Sickness started. God saw everything that he had made in Genesis 1.31 as being very good. David spoke for all of us when he said in Psalm 139, verse 14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But what has happened? What has happened? It leads us to examine the second thing that we need to put together when we talk about God as a healing God. Something went wrong, drastically wrong. And in between chapter 1 of Genesis and chapter 3 of Genesis, there is the second chapter, verses 16 and 17, where disobedience is noted. If you will do this and not touch this, you will be well. You will be whole. You will have everything that you ever need. But don't touch the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
physical death was one of the consequences of spiritual disobedience. They disobeyed God, and what happened? They were cut off from the presence of God. The law of sin and death began to work in man. Romans 5 speaks about this very clearly, such as verse 17 where it says, Death reigned by one, speaking of Adam or man, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in what? Condemnation. A process of deterioration began. I am led to believe that this would have never happened if right relationship with God had been maintained. This was not God's plan initially. But deterioration set in. And we have in our English language words such as disease, distress, disorder, disability, Discomfort, disaster, discord, discouragement, disharmony, disintegration, negative attitudes and emotions because of man's disobedience. Everything is dis. Instead of order, you have disorder. Instead of ease, you have disease. And on and on it goes. Because of man's failure to remember the word of God. And at the bottom of all of man's disobedience is sickness, physical impairment. There is a physical tragedy connected with the fall. If you will look at Genesis 3 again, starting at verse 17, you will see what God said to this pair. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. The deterioration of the physical man. Romans 6.23 speaks of the wages of sin. Those wages continue until Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 emerges where John describes that future kingdom with no sickness, no sorrow, and no death. And that is why the whole earth groans and travails until that day comes once again. When we return to the original form, that God intended for mortal man. Well, the story continues until you turn from Malachi to the book of Matthew. And as an introduction to the coming Redeemer, notice in the last chapter of the Old Testament what the prophet said. 
Some of you have never noted this. It becomes a theme in the New Testament, but it's introduced in the last chapter of the Old. Notice verse 2 of Malachi 4. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, you sure should. Take your pen or pencil or something and circle it. The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. What a description. Stall-fed calves, pampered calves, taken care of calves. You shall be like them when he comes with healing in his wings. Well, we have read one of the accounts in the Bible of this son of righteousness. There are many other accounts of healing in his wings, healing in his hands, such as Luke chapter 9, verses 37 and 42. A little boy who was possessed by evil spirits, and nobody could help him, not even the disciples of Christ. In Mark 9, 27, where Mark records the same story as Luke, in Luke 9, Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Then a question came, why could we not cast him out? The disciples said, Lord, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus' answer was simply, you could have if. And the answer to this church today and to everybody who hears this message in any form is, I can and I will do it through you if. Well, what is the qualification? Well, there are three. If you look at that one account alone, in the Gospels, you will discover, he said, first, it's because of your unbelief. We go back to this thing of power again. We can believe that a car engine can take us down these fancy highways, but we can't believe in the power of God to raise us up like he said he would do. So Jesus said, you can't do it because of your unbelief. You'll see that in Matthew 17, 20. Let me ask you something. Do you find yourself asking this question, can God, can God really do this? Now, I don't think he's going to put you down for asking it, but I do want you to consider it. Why do we say, can God why is it that we look at some things as being impossible to this God of all power and all might? Can God? Because of your unbelief, Jesus said, you could not help this boy. Then he said, it's because of lack of prayer. 
There are certain situations that require special, urgent, and persistent prayer. Thank God for the praying people of this church. Thank God for those who cut out time to wait upon God. And I see one need in our prayer ministry that needs to be developed. And that is groups of people who love to pray, who would actually go to certain persons who have physical and emotional needs and spend time with them in prayer. Literally hours with them in prayer. Prayer groups that will bring the power of God down into the need. It can only come by prayer, Jesus said. And if you're interested in that, see Pastor Mester. Then he said, fasting. Lack of fasting, Mark 9, 29. The putting aside of legitimate things. You were not able to help this boy because of unbelief, because of a lack of prayer, and because of a lack of fasting. Too taken up with the things of this world. In 1782, Gibbons in the decline and fall of the Roman Empire listed five reasons why Rome fell. They're not new to us, but let me remind you of what they were. One, increase in divorce, undermining the dignity and sanctity of the home. Number two, higher and higher taxes, the spending of public money for free bread and the circuses. Number three, mad craze for pleasure and spectator sports. I'm talking about the Roman Empire and why it fell. Number four, building of gigantic armaments when the real enemy is within the decadence of the people. And number five, decay of religious faith. Faith fading into mere form, losing touch with life, and becoming impotent to guide people. Wow. When you go down the list, every one of them is present and apparent in our present society. So on this Lord's Day, we come to one of the great truths of the Bible that God desires and delights in raising people up by touching them with his power. If, if we will have faith, if we will pray, and if we will fast, Letting go of some of the necessities of life in order that God might show himself powerful and mighty in our midst. The question is, how much do we want his power? How much do we want his fellowship? How much do we desire his miracles? That is the big question. We want to catch God on the run, it seems to me. We cry out to him in emergencies. But no, we're not willing to take time with him in the daily processes. 
I believe his miraculous hand is withheld many times from those of us in the church that he has raised up because we forget those three basic elements that he gave to his disciples. You've got to believe. You've got too much unbelief. You say, can God? Of course I can, is what God is trying to say to us. And we don't take time to pray, and we don't take time to fast. Our schedule is trying to bring us back to these basic elements. Fasting and prayer, waiting on God that he might show himself mighty and enough in our midst. Years ago, there was a headline in the Associated Press datelined Myers Mill, South Carolina. It interested me because it said something about the Mill Baptist Church in Mill, Myers Mill, South Carolina. That church had been in existence for 212 years. The Myers Mill Baptist Church, 212 years of service. And the article in the Associated Press said that the church was closing. It was ending 212 years of service to make way for the development of the huge Savannah River H-bomb project. The question, of course, are we substituting hydrogen power for spiritual power? It's a question that demands an answer in church on Sunday. We're in an election year and there are many who are saying, well, whom can I trust? And it's difficult to come up with the answer. The point I want to make from this pulpit today is it really doesn't matter if you have your trust in God. If you're going to believe he is enough. Remembering the children of Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness. Their voices were heard this way. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? I'm here to say, of course he can. Absolutely. He's a healing, powerful God. Do you have your faith intact? Are you trusting? Are you believing? Are you confiding? In him. Would you bow your heads with me, please, in prayer? Can God? Is that what you've been asking? Then I'm here to answer it. Yes! Yes. Yes. God can. God will. God must. Because he's God. Father, there are miracles needed throughout this sanctuary this morning. Miracles that you're anxious to give. If we can but believe. Have faith. Be willing to sacrifice. In order that we may 
have your divine intervention. We're all affected by the fall. We're all affected by sin. But we come to one who is a savior and a deliverer and one who is a miracle worker and loves to pick out of the crowd by the pool the one who has faith and will trust him. And he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Let the miracle power of God be released while we're praying. In pews, Lord, upstairs and downstairs where need is, may people say, God, I know you're enough. I know you're enough. I know you're sufficient. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. Thank you for it. Hallelujah. 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 Anybody who needs a touch, a miracle touch, I want you to lift up your hand as you sit in this place today. Lift up your hand. You need a miracle touch. Can God? What's your answer? Can God? Can God? Can God? Can God? Sure he can. Stand. Those of you just raised your hands and just stand right where you are if you don't mind. Just stand up so we can minister to you. God says two people asking and believing will get God's answer. Somebody nearby these, would you just stand with them, put your hand on them and agree with me in prayer? Can God? Yes, God can. Yes, God can. It's the record of history. God can. Now let's all stand to our feet for prayer as we minister to these. Heavenly Father, we want to release the power of God in this place. We want to turn people loose today to faith. Set them free. You walked into that lonely cabin on the 40-mile years ago and touched three men who got serious with you and delivered them in every way, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, we want to be dead serious with you today. You can heal us. You can help us. You can save us. And so we come to you like children. We come to you like children. Now those of you who are laying hands on them, in Jesus' name, pray a prayer of faith. Lord Jesus, as we pray all over this place, release your power. Hallelujah. Release your power up and down these rows. Let there be miracles of God that take place right now. Throughout this auditorium, in Jesus' name, release your power. May we hear testimonies from this service for months to come. God's power, God at work. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. And he's here with healing in his wings. To heal what the enemy has destroyed and stolen from us. Forgive sin in this place, Lord. There are people living promiscuously. Forgive them of their sin as they call upon your name. 
Oh God, convict of unrighteousness. Live in us and live through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Now let's all just raise our hands and thank God for his touch. Just thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him for what he has promised you. What he has promised you, he will not withhold. He will give it you according to his word. Come on, just thank him openly. Openly thank him. Don't be bashful. Don't be ashamed. Thank him. Thank him for his presence, his help, his blessing, his anointing. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Lord, let us not be closed lip about what you've done and are doing. May we boldly proclaim Jesus. We ask in his holy name. Amen. Now, if there are those of you today naming Christ as Savior, I want you to come down and see one of our workers because we have material we want to put in your hand. Don't go away without coming to them and saying, I'm receiving Christ today. And I want the help that you've provided. And if you need water baptism, come over by the American flag. Someone will be there with the helpful materials. Tonight there is. At the beginning of the service, a water baptismal, you can be in on it. Repent and be baptized is the command of Peter on the day of Pentecost. Follow the second step, water baptism. Now go out and tell somebody of the good works of God. Can God answer me? Can God? Yes, he's a miracle-working God. He's a God of healing. And God, take that message out from here to the world. See you later today. Don't forget the wonderful classes that are available. Get into one. You need them. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. said amen. Amen. Come forward if you need the material. Come forward if you need water baptism. Don't miss this opportunity. God bless you.